Ghost Stories is proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Welcome to a brand new feature here on the Business Report uh, called Ghost Stories. We're talking to the finance ghost. And the finance ghost is a chap who can float through walls and he sits in the boardrooms and he hears everything everyone's saying. So he's always got the inside look. Uh, Ghost, welcome to Namibia. Welcome to the Business Report. Hello, Gary. I'm only laughing because uh, we should clarify that the inside look here means I read sends like everyone else. Not that I have sneaky info, but I do try to uh, make the best of it and work with it. But <laughs> yes, uh, uh, luckily, no no walls, unfortunately. I can't get to those. Right. We do want to make special mention of our sponsors who've made the feature possible, and that's IJG. Uh, check them out as well if you're looking to make investments onto the JSC or the NSX. They'll help you out. All right, Ghost, let's start out with uh, a company that's uh, dear to many Southern Africans' hearts and uh, was very evident in the dressing room on Saturday evening after the box took the win, and that's ABN Bev. Uh, there was some some good news there for them in their results. Yeah, some good news. So ABN Bev obviously is uh, mainly alcohol, but they do have some non-beer products as well. And, and you know, some of that is alcoholic and some of that perhaps not. But I think the overall point here is, you know, people see it in a similar vein, maybe to like British American tobacco, you know, to a typical kind of sin stock. And it's seen as quite defensive because the thesis is that even in the bad times, people are willing to still smoke or drink. And I think there is some truth in that. But uh, I, I prefer ABN Bev as a concept to British American tobacco. I think over time, people will keep drinking. Over time, fewer and fewer people are smoking. But people do still cut back when things get tough. So what we've seen in ABN Bev's latest numbers is from a pricing perspective, you know, they are managing to put their pricing up. But that's basically where all the growth is coming from. Their volumes are actually slightly down. And obviously, that's not ideal as a big manufacturing and distribution type business. You want to see your volumes heading firmly in the right direction. I joked in Ghostmail that despite my dad's efforts, the volumes are still shrinking. <laughs> uh, actually, in South Africa, volumes are up. So maybe he is playing his part. But they've got a whole bunch of brands. You know, it's so much more than just the old SAB, obviously. You know, they've got tons of stuff in there. And the more money they put into marketing for certain brands, the better they do. You know, it's that classic FMCG style play. But they also do some weird stuff in their reporting. I mean, they, they report uh, a number called normalized EBITDA. So what that acronym stands for is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Now that I've completely confused you, the one to remember in there for this point or for this purpose is the T, which is taxes. And then they go and report that number and they say it was impacted by a tax credit. Like it's specifically designed to not be impacted by tax stuff. So there's always some weirdness in the reporting there, which actually just gets investors feeling a bit ugh about trying to understand this thing. There's nothing untoward going on at AB InBev, but they could really do a better job of telling people how they've actually done. And how they've done is pricing is working, but volumes are under pressure. Consumers, even in tough times, can't drink as much as they would like to. I think what is uh, what is interesting, beer volumes down 4%, but non-beer volumes up one4 Now, that certainly wouldn't provide any, any decent offset because non-beer volumes, you would imagine are quite a lot less than the beer volumes. But that seems to indicate that there sort of plays into some of these other sorts of beverages, uh, that they also see the trends that perhaps high alcohol uh, is, is not the future. Yeah, and just other types of alcohol, right? I mean, we saw it in, I can't speak for Namibia, but certainly in South Africa for a couple of years, gin was all the rage. You know, suddenly everyone was drinking gin and all kinds of, you know, artisanal gins were just popping up all over the place. And then like all things in life, it's a bit of a bubble, you know, and no brand is immune to this. I, I follow lots of overseas companies. LVMH is a good example. Um, among many other things, they own Hennessy Cognac, you know, and that had a really tough period in the U.S., 
over the past few months for whatever reason. And again, some of that will be just consumer spending. Some of it is consumer tastes. Some of it will be marketing campaigns that work or didn't work. You know, and there's been some controversy around some of the beer marketing in the past couple of years. So alcohol, it's a tough one. You know, why do you drink what you drink? It's not always an, an easy answer and it's not always related to taste. My dad would kill me for saying this, but let's face it, a lot of beer, you know, you'd have to be a real connoisseur to really tell the difference blindfolded. <laughs> so a lot of it comes down to marketing and what's available in the fridge and the name on that fridge. If you just think about the typical bar and nightclub vibe, think about the effort that's gone into something like Castle Light and getting that to where it is today. Uh, you know, so that means they're probably just putting effort in a couple of other brands and that's working. Maybe beer, a bit of a slowdown for whatever reason. I don't read too much into the beer versus non-beer trends. For me, I think what I what I found interesting is that consumers are under so much pressure at the moment that even the fun stuff is now starting to get cut. Like we really are having to cut all over the place. And even the likes of an AB InBev are not safe from that. All right, guys, let's turn our attention now to one of the bigger companies in Africa, and that's MTN. Um, it's been an interesting company to follow for the past few years. There's been there's been some ups and downs, but uh, the one perennial nightmare that MTN has consistently had has been Nigeria, and it would seem that that's uh, continuing to be the case. Yeah, totally. Look, if ABN want to get their volumes up, they should just target the MTN head office because I think there are a lot of people there who desperately need to uh, ignore some of the pain that's going on right now. Uh, Nigeria is causing them a monster headache. I mean, the Nigerian currency, the Naira, is absolutely falling through the floor. Um, and that makes the Nigerian business for MTN worth less, not worthless, worth less to international buyers. And you have to understand South African investors in the context of Nigeria would be an international investor audience. And the other issue MTN's got is within Nigeria, a lot of their capital expenditure is denominated in US dollars. So that means they are earning Naira and they're having to use that to fund a CapEx program that is in dollars. So you can kind of see how they're on the treadmill there. Of course, being an African government, uh, they also, of course, want to get their hands on taxes that are maybe not necessarily due to them. We'll wait and see. It's a classic story where they sort of shake the tree and see how much in the way of tax falls out from international companies. So on top of all of this, MTN is dealing with a tax issue in Nigeria, which is clearly not what investors want to see. And to add even more insult to injury, they also found a mistake in the accounting for the first six months of the year. So actually MTN Group's headline earnings per share is about 12% or so less than they actually reported. So none of that gives investors the warm and fuzzies. It's now trading, you know, I think it's about 90 bucks a share now. And if you have a look at the chart, uh, I think 70 bucks a share is not out of the question for MTN. So I don't think the pain is over there just yet. Another company that's experienced a lot of pain uh, in the last year or so has been Tongart. And that, uh, that story has yet to come to conclusion. Yeah, it has yet to come to conclusion. So, you know, if you were, if you watch Sense carefully, uh, you might have thought you were stuck in a time machine yesterday because Tongart released 2022 earnings, not 2023. And a lot of this is just because it's been in business rescue. So obviously everything kind of grinds to a halt because no one's quite sure if it's a, a going concern or an ongoing concern. I think it's an ongoing concern. And uh, they've got a couple of potential bidders. And look, the 2022 numbers are obviously quite out of date now, but they do show just how bad things got and how profits got hammered. Uh, it's a really, really tough business. South Africa is a tough place to do business. KZN has had a lot of huge challenges. And of course, sugar is just a commodity. You know, absolutely no one really cares what brand of sugar they buy. It's as commoditized as you can imagine. So despite all of that, they have managed to attract a couple of potential bidders. And for South Africa and for the sugar industry as a whole, it is critical that Tongart is saved. We really, really need this thing to be saved. This is a classic business rescue situation where 
you know, the shareholders are probably going to lose absolutely everything, but the business needs to survive as an employer, as a core part of the KZN economy and the sugar industry as a whole. So I really hope one of these bids does actually come to fruition. Uh, time will tell. The business plan, the amended business plan is due pretty much by the end of the month now and uh, the meeting that goes along with it. So within the next sort of 30 days, we should have a good idea of what's going on at Tongard Hewlett. All right, and a company that might even fall under that sort of moniker here in Namibia is Trusco. Uh, much maligned and uh, has been in the wars, certainly with the JSE for the last while. Um, and more bad news potentially for Trusco from Finbond yesterday. Yeah, Trusco don't do themselves too many favors, to be honest with you, with some of the things they put into the market. But uh, leaving that aside, uh, Finbond and Trusco have been talking about a deal that would have seen Finbond acquire 49% of Trusco Finance Namibia and they've decided to walk away. Now, the announcement didn't really say why or who decided or, you know, those sort of details never make it into the public. That's very much in the boardrooms. And, you know, despite the intro, I can't get in there, sadly. Uh, but the one thing that is interesting in Finbon, there are actually some green shoots in that story at the moment for the business as a whole. Um, the American business is starting to look a lot better. They had some real regulatory issues to try and navigate there. And as American consumers are coming under pressure, you know, we think everything is always perfect everywhere other than in South Africa. And maybe people in Namibia think the same. I'm not sure. But they're not. You know, everyone has struggles everywhere. U.S. consumers are seriously starting to feel the pinch now. And so that's good news for Finbon because they do unsecured lending, you know, into that market. So maybe Finbond has decided that instead of spreading themselves too thin, they're actually going to focus on the opportunities that are in front of them. And if that is the reason why this deal fell over, then I don't think that's necessarily a bad outcome for Finbond. Uh, Trusco presumably wanted to sell the thin or they wouldn't have uh, agreed to a deal. So not a great outcome for Trusco to see the deal fall over. And then uh, just lastly, uh, retail is always a sector that touches the heart of every consumer. They typically, we, uh, we multi-shop, we, we use all the different brands. Uh, we've seen pick and pay get clouted over the last few weeks and we've seen uh, checkers emerge stronger and stronger. Uh, but another retailer that has uh, also had its travails over the last few years is Woolworths. And they've made an interesting announcement in terms of diversifying their holdings. Yes, they have. So they are buying a business called Absolute Pets, which is pretty big. It's a solid chain of independent pet stores uh, in South Africa. And I think it's quite a good transaction. You know, the average Woolworths customer almost certainly has pets at home on average. Uh, there are many mouths to feed at home for a Willie's customer, and some of them are quite furry. And that's good news, or, or a good synergy at least. It's not hard to imagine a world where the Woolworths Rewards Program finds its way into Absolute Pets. Maybe some of the lessons from Absolute Pets find its way into the larger Woolworths stores, you know, like a pet center of excellence. I think it's a decent strategic fit, and I think for Woolworths, the timing is actually quite good because they've made a lot of progress in fixing up the fashion beauty home side of the business. It really is performing a lot better. The food business is facing a lot of competitive pressure from ShopRite and also just consumer spending under pressure and everything else, load shedding, which came back literally as soon as the basically the trophy landed in South Africa. So that's a bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, for Woolworths, I think it's a good transaction. It makes a lot of sense. And it's a retail category that doesn't have this big, complicated cold chain and everything else. So almost a bit of a hedge maybe against load shedding, which I quite like. No numbers announced, though. No idea, you know, what they've paid for this thing. So that will have to come out at some point. It's uh, it's too small for all the details to be announced. But strategically, I think it's quite a good transaction. And also it's at home, which I think is important. You know, Woolworths has been really hurt by trying to do fancy things overseas. It's nice to see a homegrown acquisition so that they can actually, you know, be in the stores themselves and get it right. All right. Well, here in Namibia, we might see that brand creep its way 
into our shopping centers as well. Ghost, we're going to have to leave it at that. Thank you so much for bringing us up to date with what's happening uh, in the world of sense, making sense of sense. Thank you. Ghost Stories was proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Visit IJG.net for more information.